Blog Talk Radio. Actually, 
in his 20s, so that is odd for a U.K. coach team. Reed was a grown man. We'll talk about all of that as well. We're waiting for Dante Rump to give us a call. We're going to start off with football, but we will definitely cover the basketball. Terry T.B. Brown is on the line with us now. He was covering fan days and no doubt checking out the Cats on the hardwood in the Bahamas as well. How's everything going with you this Wednesday evening, T.B.? Don't believe we got TB on the line. We'll get him rolling in here with us as well. Um, oh yeah, his call just dropped, but he will. He shall return. Uh, we'll have both of us uh, chatting it up. I also got the show going on Facebook Live as well. I see some people in there. I see my cousin Stephen in there. Steph, what's going on, man? Nothing much here. Hope you're enjoying the show. I'm gonna post the link so you can hear the back and forth and not just me rambling. I'll put that in there and pin it up on the comment section uh, as well. We get Terry Brown back with us. How's everything with you, TV? I'm doing good. Apparently I'm having some technical difficulties on my end, but uh, I hope I'm okay. A little bit late. Had to get the rundown. We had our first day of school today, so I had to touch base with Big Miss and Little Miss. Um but I'm, I'm obviously glad to be here. I know we got a lot of stuff to talk about. We are right at the start of all the fall sports, so there's a lot to dive into. Absolutely. Yeah, the first day is is always something. I saw you posting the pictures of Big Miss and Little Miss as they were getting the school year started. We've been at it for a little while down here already. Um this is the first, I mean, the second full week, yeah. We're already going. My first full week for my youngest was in kindergarten. They kind of staggered him out last week where he went with part of the class on Wednesday, part of the class on Friday. But he's in full day-in, day-out school mode now. Uh, so, yeah, and it's, you know, it's starting earlier and earlier, you know, to get out at Memorial Day, go back after Labor Day, is long gone, and we are now in August single digits down here when we started. But hope everything goes smooth for Big Miss and Little Miss. And glad, heck, August 15th seems like <laughs> an eternity now. Hopefully they don't creep it up earlier and earlier uh, in your neck of the woods like they have down here. Yeah, it, this is the, the usual time. Uh, obviously, I think when you and I were in school, it was a lot later. I think it was closer to um, uh, Labor Day toward the end of August, but it is what it is. Uh, both girls had a great day, so excited about that. Hard to believe I've got a seventh grader and a fourth grader, making me feel really old, but uh, but a good first day, and I told them, I said, well, you got 179 more to go, so Get <laughs> that person out of the way and and and, and go from there. It's like a baseball season, and plus more. Yeah, so yeah. plus eighteen. <laughs> We're waiting for uh, Dante Rump. Oh, message him. He was uh, going to give us a call right off the bat. Uh, talk a little UK football. His time at UK. His time in the AFL. Staying ready to make 
camps and teams in the NFL. We're definitely looking forward to talking about that with him. But in the meantime, of course, we know the huge elephant in the room, the huge topic on the board is Big Blue Bahamas. But we also know that you cover some fan days uh, at, at the soccer facilities, so that happened as well. So we can kind of, you know, riff in any of those directions while we wait for Dante to call in. Well, I know we're going to dive into the Bahamas trip. That's the that's the main driving force. Uh, obviously, I get that for Kentucky sports, men's basketball and football. But like I said, there's there's more than just men's basketball and football starting. The number five volleyball team in the country calls Lexington home. Uh, and Coach Skinner, they have their sights set on some, some pretty big goals after winning championship hardware last year. Are you still there? Yeah. Talking about how Coach Skinner and the volleyball team uh, definitely have the bullseye on their back. Uh, you know, they had some epic games last year. Uh, a lot of them on the SEC Network take over the battles with Florida and Gainesville and in Lexington. Finishing the year strong. Coming back with respect. You know, the rankings are what they are in the preseason, but it just means that you have the makings of a good team based on what you did last year, what you have coming back in. Um, and that's where Coach Kenner and the volleyball team are. They won't sneak up on anybody this year, uh, but they uh, aren't really caught up in all that. Their, their focus is to go out and just handle business like they did last year. They're not going to get caught up in the preseason press clippings. They're ready to go out and handle business and go out and prove that they were worthy of uh, such a lofty ranking. Got you back, TB. We'll get TB back in a minute. But he covered the um, the fan days uh, for men's and women's soccer, so we definitely get his thoughts on that. He was there up close and personal with that. Uh, just like he covered the fan day for football, he covered the fan days for soccer, and we're talking about uh, the lofty expectations and the high respect that the Cats were getting in the preseason rankings, TV. Yeah, uh, I'm back now, hopefully. <laughs> but uh, it goes back to what uh, Mitch Barnhart has said since he's been here. Uh, you know, we've had Dwayne Peavy on the line from the athletic department uh, as well. Uh, is being competitive across all sports and finishing as high as we have in the Director's Cup, you know, a perennial top 15 team, uh, cracking that top 10. This year is going to be special, I, I think, across the board. You know, we're going to dive into football. Uh, SEC Network has them pegged for eight wins. Uh, volleyball is number five in the country. Uh, the expectations are high. Uh, for both men's and women's soccer, and that's just the fall sports, let alone, you know, Coach Cal, the Bahamas. That, those expectations are always astronomical. Uh, Coach Mitchell and the, the women's uh, basketball team, they completed their tour of Europe, also getting some uh, summertime uh, competition on the hardwood. So I, I think this is the year, you know, you know, barring injuries and all that kind of stuff that I think, that, that uh, the cats really show out across the board 
and, and I, I think they can shoot for a top five finish this year, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, and like I was saying, they they aren't caught up in the hype of the rankings. It shows that, you know, you have a good team and are capable of having another solid season. It also shows that you're not going to sneak up on anybody. Um, but I think Coach Skinner was on with, with Cameron Mills. The Cam might have been filling in for Tom Leach or something like that. And Coach Skinner asked the team, how much time do you think we should focus on, <laughs> you know, this ranking and, and all this stuff? And and they were like, we shouldn't put any focus on it. I mean, it's nice, but it's not like they're worried about it. It's not like they're caught up in it. It's not like they're getting a big head about it. They're just ready to go out uh, and take care of business and show, let their game speak on the court that they are worthy of such a high ranking. But they're not about to just – you know, flaunt it or get caught up in it. Yeah, and, and and the thing as well, you know, there's still, for whatever reason, no matter how good the teams finish across the board, that Kentucky sports is just men's basketball. You know, we've talked about this a lot. That's not the case. Look, I went to the football fan day a couple of weeks ago, and the line when I got there a half hour before the start was the entire length of the stadium, right? They, they they were there an hour before the doors opened, the Big Blue Nation was. So you can't tell me there's not excitement for football. The soccer media day has grown. They've had to totally revamp how they do that. Uh, in years past, uh, where you get the poster sign, all the autographs, meet and greet with the players, was actually in the locker rooms, uh, respectively, for the men's and women's team. Well, it's now grown where that's just – they can't accommodate that. So the pictures I shared, uh, they're actually in that little area between the, the soccer stadium and the softball field. Uh, there might have been about four or 500 fans there for that. Uh, it's – Big Blue Nation, it's more than just men's basketball. The wins are there across the board, but the fans are there. You know, I have met folks that will say, hey – Soccer is my sport more than basketball or football. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There's enough sports, uh, more uh, athletic uh, competitions that people can support across the board. Uh, and I think what I want, even some of the big blue nation to kind of get focused on just men's basketball, you know, those student athletes, the soccer players, softball, baseball, volleyball, tennis, golf, they work just as hard at their craft as the guys we saw in the Bahamas. They are just as important and involved as those guys are. Uh, the coaches across the board, they're just as good. They're recruiting and working just as hard as Coach Cal. And for my money, to get banged for the buck, you go to some of those quote-unquote minor sports, and it's a lot of fun. The The – you know, the girls and I have been to the women's soccer matches uh, between U of L the last six years. And those matches are just as intense, if not more so, than what we see on the hardwood. I, I really would like to see the Big Blue Nation, and they have, especially, you know, baseball has broken attendance records, volleyball has broken attendance records, gymnastics has broken attendance records. 
I want to see that kind of enthusiasm across the board because every sport is competitive. About every sport is nationally ranked. And, and I think uh, there, there needs to be an, an outpouring of support for that and for the hard work these young men and women are doing. So that's my soapbox for tonight. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. um, to get out and support all the teams. And I've and absolutely. I think I may have a soapbox thing later. Uh, sometimes I might be soapboxing and don't know I'm soapboxing, but definitely support all the teams. Um, the athletic department department has put uh, unparalleled support into all the teams across the board. Thus, you've kind of seen a nice progressive rise uh, in the quality of the products on the field of all the teams, revenue and non-revenue. So, yeah, definitely uh, worthy of the support. Whether you are the type that's a fan exclusively of one team more than the others, like you said, you have your soccer fans, you have your I'm a U.K. football fan, or if you like them all equally, whether you go to more than others or not, or you can still support them all the same, pull for them when you're watching them or – checking the scores or, you know, seeing on Twitter what's happening. It doesn't matter how you do it, uh, but but definitely uh, stay behind them. Absolutely. And, uh, and those players, uh, and this is what I'll say as well. You know, we, we've talked about the good guys that Cal brings in. We haven't had a lot of headaches, a lot of knuckleheads that some other schools have. We know how quickly that can change, but up until now, we've really had a lot of great guys, and there's a lot of great feedback about how involved players were in the Bahamas. You know, our own Tina Costa was down there, has written about that, and, and, and that's fantastic. What I'll say is that's across the board. Uh, watching the open practice for football and see how engaging they are with the fans, uh, during their fan day and, and, and soccer, and I know that going to volleyball matches and gymnastics meets, those student-athletes really appreciate the fan support, and there's a nice in, engagement back and forth. You know, if you go to Rupp Arena, the chances of shaking hands or getting to say hi uh, Tyler Hero or Aquatic Green, P.J. Washington, Ashton Hagen, yeah, that's, that's slim, right? You're, you're, you're not going to get that little moment. But if you go to Memorial Coliseum for volleyball, for, for women's basketball, you, there's a chance for that. And that's what I tell folks. It's a, it's a lot more intimate uh, at those other venues. And as we've seen with, um, oh, I know go Sydney go. I can't think of her. Sydney uh, McLaughlin, you know, we've got yeah. great athletes, world-class athletes across the board. I mean, she stepped onto campus with a world record in her pocket. So that just lets me know that the bar has been raised for Kentucky athletics. You know, when you were our in school, it was men's basketball, which was great, which was phenomenal, you know, 96, 97, 98. Uh, but some of the other sports weren't getting the love that they probably should. And I know Mitch Barnhart catches a lot of grief for checkerboards, for tickets and seating, whatever. But if your number one mission as an athletic director is to make the athletic department 
and as competitive and, and as enriched across the board as possible. Mitch has done a bang up job. I mean, just and just look at the quality of the coaches. Look at the facilities. You know, it was just a few years ago. Uh, there was just a green field next to what was in Commonwealth Stadium. Now they've got the craft practice facility. Took a tour of that on fan day. It's gorgeous. Right across the little street there, you've got the soon-to-be-completed baseball stadium. Right next door to the Bell Complex. Right next door to the facilities and coaches are where the athletic director can really make an impact, and he has. So you have to tip your hat uh, to what he's been able to accomplish. Absolutely. Hope you're enjoying the first portion of the show, Cast Talk Wednesday, Benny Hardy, Terry Brown. Move-in day on campus at UK TB. You also mentioned uh, first day of school in various counties across the state, on the Fayette County, uh, Jefferson County, where you are started. Uh, as well as as others started today. Happy first day of school to them. Um, But the Avenue of Champions was a one-way street because lots of incoming freshmen were moving in today, TB. So happy moving day to all the new U.K. students as well. Yeah, you know, it was 23 years ago, (laughs) wow, uh, (laughs) that I moved in to Ben Hagen Hall, which has been torn down for about five or six years, I guess. Uh, maybe not that long. Uh, you know, we, you asked me last week, I think it was, about you know when I made my conversion to becoming a, a full Kentucky fan. And it started with that moving day, to be honest with you. That really cemented. It just felt like home. And, and those of you out there that are old enough to remember old Hagen Hall, built like a prison, you know, it was not – it was, you know, your stereotypical college dorm, you know, that you think of way back when. wasn't – didn't have all the amenities and things as these new dorms. But a lot of the people I met that freshman year, I'm still friends with to this day. And, you know, that would be my advice to these kids moving in is enjoy it. You know, absolutely enjoy your time uh, at UK. Uh, I, I'm a Cat fan for life. I'm a proud alum. Uh I am the person I am today because of the time I spent at the University of Kentucky. So, and, and definitely uh, enjoy that. Absolutely. Uh, we are efforting Dante Rumpf. Uh, see if he'll still be able to join us today. Hopefully he can. Just sent him a text a few minutes ago. Got a DM that we we may have another former U.K. football player that might be set to join us in the second hour. I've been talking to him for the past few weeks. So hopefully we can get Dante Rump. Um If not, maybe we can reschedule that. I don't know if something has come up on his end. Uh, heck, he might have got a call from a team. He is, he is definitely on the radar for a lot of NFL teams, uh, and he would have definitely been able to tell us that himself, and we'll do so once he comes on. But we – you know, hopefully, possibly, may have former UK quarterback Shane Boyd on in the second hour, calling in at ten after seven. So we can cross our fingers on that one as well. We got two potential former UK footballers TV. So hopefully, we'll, we'll see what happens. Just got a DM from Shane, so and he asked for the calling number. So 
it might be the Wednesday when we get to talk with him as well. So we shall see, man. And, and, and I'm excited for football. And, you know, being here in Louisville, I know you down in Knoxville get to hear some of this too, the kind of derisive chatter uh, from opposing fans. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I, I, I really am. I know, you know, we, we, we go through this every year and, and everything, but we've talked before, you know, over the summer that, uh, you know, this year I feel it. You know, watching them at fan day, it looks different. And, and I can't quantify that. You know, I had some uh, a long conversation with friend of the show, Freddie Maggard, uh, UK player development, uh, his new role. And he's excited. You know, but the thing is, when isn't Freddie excited about about football? But but he's genuinely excited about what's going to go on this season. So uh, I, I just think that getting to that eight-win plateau, that eight-win um Mark, I think, is attainable. Uh, outside of Georgia, I, I, you know, I don't really see a team that that I would be too concerned by. Uh, I mean, not not to say that I think we're going to be favored in every game, but I just don't. It's not quite the murderer's row like when we were in school. And again, I keep dating myself, you know, and you know, going against the Peyton Mannings and the Rex Grossmans and the you know Danny Werfels and uh, you know all that, you know Stephen Davis and Auburn and all those kinds of things. Uh, so uh, you have to feel confident. And again, if, if if we're able to focus on cleaning up just the small mistakes that are those unforgivables, I, I think they can have a successful year. You know, Benny Snell is going to get hit. You know, he he is a beast. You know, he's going to walk away. With, with a lot of the Kentucky records, rushing records, if not all of them. If you're going to make a push, use a generational talent like Benny Snell to do it. And, and I think, I really feel that this is the year that we get it done, we get to eight wins. Absolutely. Would you uh, – let me do our game by game – after the break, and then, you know, hit a little bit of Bahamas or vice versa, do a little bit of both, and then see if we got Shane Boyd on the line um, and, and see what we end up with prediction-wise, uh, win-loss-wise for Kentucky football. We can both do that. And like you said, the big topic of the day, we can kind of dive in uh, as well. So I'm going to take a quick break and, and come back on the other side and prognosticate and, and see – how accurate you and I are, um, and have fun with it. All the experts do it. Why can't we do it? So we will do it uh, right after this quick break. Cast Talk Wednesday, Vinnie Hardy, Terry Brown, Brown and Hardy Radio Network. Got to change it up just a little bit, and I'm sure we'll talk about this before the show's over as well. The Queen of Soul is a little bit ill, so a little bit of Aretha Franklin tonight. And we'll be back in just a couple minutes.
Welcome back to Cast Out Wednesday. Vinnie Hardy, Terry Brown, Brown and Hardy Radio Network, presented by Justice and Stanford Insurance Agency in Paintsville, Kentucky. You can't get any better than that, TV. Um, sad news hearing that Aretha Franklin has been very ill up in Detroit, uh, so I had to mix in some of her songs that are the epitome of timelessness, as you and I both know, as we've been hearing these songs since we were younger than our kids are now. Well, with uh, Aretha Franklin, and let's, let, let, you know, we're, we're going to do, we're going to do it uh, tonight. Uh, <laughs> she, you know, when you look at just the, the PGA tournament and Tiger Woods, uh, finishing second yeah. and kind of dominating. You talk about the Tiger effect, you know. Is there an athlete that moves the needle quite like that? I don't think so. I don't think we've ever seen in history a, a, an athlete that needs more to their sport. So that's why you have to put Tiger Woods in that, that GOAT status. I know he doesn't have the major victories, but just everything we're seeing, he's he, he, that GOAT. Well, that's a recent Franklin. You know, you remember a few years ago, VH1 did that Divas Live, Divas whatever, <laughs> and had yes. uh, Celine Dion and Mariah Carey and, and a bunch of the best voices of the day. And I just remember Aretha coming out, and they ended the <laughs> original show with You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. And... You know, again, using a sports reference, we talk about the NBA All-Star game and when it's competitive in that fourth quarter and you've got the ten best pros on the court kind of feeling out, okay, who's really the alpha dog? And that was Aretha for a lot of those diva specials. Aretha and her boys could just show up and show out the best of the best. Like, whoever your favorite singer is, and, and I know Whitney Houston gets a lot of votes, and Mariah's got the range, and Celine Dion does her thing, but as far as singing goes, it's got to be Aretha. It, 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 that's, she's got to be your goat. And I know, you know, Mahalia Jackson from the early part of the 20th century, and this person, that person, but as far as a, no matter the song, no matter the the genre, Aretha could blow it out of the water. And you know, she she's 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 one. She can't be one A. She's number one in in my estimation uh, of just what she's been able to bring to the table. We all know the classics. You know, she was in the Blues Brothers movie and and. She's just been a cultural mainstay for so long that, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really tough to hear that she's in, in poor health. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. The, the pecking order was established when, whenever and wherever she would show up. Uh, I don't I don't know. It, maybe it just looks for deceiving on the stage. I don't know if it was Mariah that tried to outsing her for a minute at one of those, and 
It looked like Aretha just kind of hollered right in her face, hit a note and did a run right in her face. It was like, okay, go ahead and drop on down a peg or two, Miss Carrie, because, you know, it's, I see what you're doing, but <laughs> it ain't about to happen today. And I, that's well, just the way it looks. <laughs> and, and, and the thing about Aretha, I mean, she's, she's a diva's diva. You know, there have been the clips that are making the rounds on social media where she's sitting and, and you know, she's just sitting at the piano singing and playing in a full-length mink coat. Or uh, you know, someone had a, fa- a factoid that she only gets paid in cash. She got stiffed uh, at a gig some years ago. and <laughs> you got to pay her up front in cash before she takes it. I mean, she's the one. You know, and then she was having that beef with uh, – Oh, was it Patty LaBelle who also can sing and, and sent her something yeah. via fat? I mean, Aretha is that woman. Like she's the she, you know, born in Memphis, raised in Detroit. She's the one. Like she's the real one. Uh, that and it's like she's not even trying. Like that's what I remember about those diva specials is you could tell everybody else had been working up for this big finale to share the stage yeah. on you make like a natural woman. <laughs> And Aretha's watching them go, and she's just cool with it. And then she holds the microphone up, and it's just effortlessly blowing whoever away. I think you're right. Yeah. Mariah tried. I think Celine Dion tried it. I think some of the they other they tried it. But she she killed them with her voice. But but it's like it's effortless. She's just like letting you know this ain't even me. Warmed up, like I'm just rolling out of bed, and I'm a, yeah. you know, that's she's gonna hit it like that. So definitely, you yeah. hear that she's in, in in bad in bad health. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, definitely have to get at least one of each song in. Hope to have a couple more. Hope I didn't download a couple of the same ones. Uh, we shall see uh, as we get to another point to take a break. Uh, later on in the show, but um, just stepping on into, let's do our game by game for Kentucky. You know, September first has been the date forever. Everybody's looking forward to it. Can't wait for it. Been don't get to see a lot, but been hearing you know, the normal stuff you hear out of scrimmages is, is you know coaches aren't pleased. Coach Stoops was not happy with the first one. Uh, we'll see what happens with the second one. You hear the coordinators talking. Still a battle between Gunnar Hoke and Terry Wilson. Neither guy has just separated and, you know, said, this is mine. Neither guy has a reset the job, if you will. Like, this is my job. And, you know, you're the backup. I'm the starter. Still too close to call. Uh, Gunnar Hope been there forever. Terry Wilson brings uh, the Stephen Johnson aspect with more athleticism. Uh, was junior college last year at Garden City in Kansas. We shall see. I've been saying all along that there's a lot of pieces around them, no matter who wins the starting job, that are capable of making that job easier for them. Uh, so no matter who starts September 1st against Central Michigan, I, I see that as being uh, a win for the Cats. Uh, you start off directional non-conflict game. 
get your kinks out, get your rest out because you step in the SEC play the following week. But uh, I've seen them taking care of business against CMU. Just don't, you know, want to know. But the mighty Chippewas of, of CMU, I definitely see, uh, I definitely see uh, the Cats handling business. But what you want to see, and, and, and this has been the big thing, is they've got to come out, and this can't be close going into the fourth quarter. I, I think that I would speak for Coach Stoops. Uh, in this game, let's be comfortable. Let's get both quarterbacks work. Like whoever the starter is, I would love to see the other guy get some game day work in this one. Uh, but I do think the Cats win. Uh, I think they're able to, to, to move to 1-0. and So I'm right there with you. Absolutely. Um, the, if you will, Steve Young, monkey on the back game, the albatross, that is what it is, three-decade-long streak for the Florida Gators. You jump right into it. Like you said, you want to see both quarterbacks play and get uh, get their feet wet because you're going down to the swamp the following weekend, September 8th at Florida. We've often talked in years past about how, you know, outside of that Chris Doring game, the the contest hadn't been close. You know, where the Tennessee streak, there were several chances where that streak could have ended way before 2011. We all remember, you know, the 73 to sevens and 63 to fives and 65 to three games against Florida. But outside of the game where Drew Barker got hurt, uh, pretty much first second play in two years ago down there, the games have been a lot closer. The gap has closed. The games that Kentucky legit should have won. This streak should have ended. Uh, should have ended down there that thirty-six to thirty game with the whole play clock and all that. He had Boone Williams reversing field and, you know, dropping jaws because you don't see a Kentucky guy do that to Florida and all the world-class athletes they have, and boom, played that whole defense with the run down there. Uh, we, of course, know what happened last year where Kentucky was in position to knock them out again. I've also said that Kentucky has to take advantage of scenarios this season, and Dan Mullen is the guy that's been a thorn in the side of Mississippi State. He's familiar with Florida, but this is his first year in Florida. So I think this is a time where Kentucky can take advantage of that. Still having discipline problems at Florida. Uh, when Florida came to Lexington last year, they had a slew of dudes suspended. Uh, they're still trying to clean out that kind of stuff um, with the whole Tay Bang and the gambling dudes and, and, uh, and all that. So I, I think, look, we we all want the streak to end, but I think this they can go down to the swamp and take advantage of the Mullen Newton. So I got them beating the Gators to go two and zero. I think they they moved to two and zero. This this has got to be the game that that they have to have. And I don't want to put any pressure on Stu because I think for the last three seasons. Every game has been an indictment on his coaching tenure at Kentucky. Every game has, has had implications. But I think 
beat Florida. You end the streak. And, you know, and, and we went down to, to Gainesville a couple of years ago, as you said, and it was a close game down in overtime. Uh, and I know outside that Drew Barker game, the last few games have been close. The gap is as, cl- is as close as it's ever been. Uh, I think the Cats go down there and take care of business. I don't have a score prediction, but I think the Cats win to move to 2-0. Two to, two yeah, I believe so uh, as well. They come back home for in-state rival. From the western part of the state, Murray State comes into town. Uh, I think Kentucky takes care of business there. You can't, you know, let down. If you go down and beat Florida, you got to come back and focus. Don't play around and, and be sloppy and goof off against Murray State. And don't be looking ahead to Mississippi State. But go ahead and, and do what you got to do to get the 3-0. I, I think they get the 3-0. I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, you know, this is no disrespect to, to Murray State, but I think the Cats have to take care of business. Um, again, this is a game that they, they have to have if they're going to get to those eight wins. So uh, I think that uh, they'll be 3-0. This is, uh, you know, Mississippi State comes in. Dan Mullen is no longer there. Mississippi State's getting a lot of hype because they have a lot of guys back. So, you know, veteran team, and they should be good. Uh, this is Joe Moorhead coming in, a coordinator from Penn State. Once again, first head coaching job. But you got two tough games kind of back-to-back at home, Mississippi State and South Carolina. Uh, Mississippi State has been the one that you just kind of haven't matched up with as much. Uh, Nick Fitzgerald. You know, we, we have trouble with the running quarterback. He's a big, mobile running quarterback who can throw it pretty good. I think they slip up against Mississippi State. Now, Fitzgerald's coming back from an injury. He had a nasty injury against Ole Miss last year. But um, I think they slip up against Mississippi State, and they, they fall 3-1. Uh, I think they do, too. I think it's going to be 3-1. Just I think the gap. Because last year's game was one of those games, you know, that was just it – it was kind of laughable. The Cats were never really in. Um, and when we talk about Achilles' heel, for whatever reason, for the last 30 years, mobile quarterbacks have been the Achilles' heel of Kentucky football. Like little mm, tiny quick yeah. point guards have been the kryptonite to, to Cal's teams, <laughs> you know, historically speaking. Uh, so I do think they get to, to three and one. Yeah, um, and the following week, I, I think for the same reason they go to three and one due to matchups, Mississippi State, even with a new head coach, rookie head coach, I think will still be a bad matchup for the Cats. Conversely, I think South Carolina will continue to be a good matchup for Kentucky. Uh, you get to run the winning streak to them against them to five games. You know, Jake Bentley gets a lot of hype. Uh, he'll be back. Uh, Debo Samuel, he got hurt against Kentucky last year with another, you know, leg injury where he wasn't able to finish the game. He gets a lot of hype as well. But it's, you know, Kentucky's went to Columbia and won 
twice. That's why the streak's at four games anyway. You know, they, they've held serve at home and then went down there uh, in hostile Williams-Brice and, and got Ws. I think they bounce back and get the form one, uh, even though nobody ever picked them to do it. <laughs> the, you know, these four years have happened, but nobody, you know, they don't mean anything when everybody, you know, does predictions and matchups. And I think Kentucky bounces back, gets the four and one um, against South Carolina. You know, I'm, I'm just concerned because I would have to look up has Kentucky ever had a five-game winning streak in football against anybody? And I don't know off the top of my head anybody. I think that's got to be a pretty short list. Uh, so my concern is can you keep it going against South Carolina? That would be a concern I would have just simply for that. But I think it underscores something. That's kind of a rallying why. With the game being at home, I think that helps. I think it helps because the sense I've gotten is, look, we understand Kentucky football needs to earn some respect. We we get that. But, you know, South Carolina, we've had their number for four years, and, and nobody's given us really – this is a would be a great year for, you know, coaches love to play that, you know, nobody believes in this card. And I think mm-hmm. – the cats are sitting at three and one or, you know, hope, you know, maybe four and oh, but you and I think three and one, and there's still no buzz with the cats. I, I think that they're able to channel that and they take care of business get to four and one against uh, South Carolina. Yep. 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 Um, first time that they play, Texas A&M, since Texas A&M has been in the SEC. The following week is a trip to College Station uh, to play the Aggies. Cal Field, historic, the tradition there. Uh, we've seen these two teams play uh, on the hardwood and in other sports already, but with the, the SEC rotation, it takes a long time for some East and West teams to, to get together. But this is another scenario uh, it's daunting, but I think this is one that Kentucky has to take advantage because you know, Jimbo Fisher is in his first year at Texas A&M after moving over from Florida State. A lot of talent there, but I think Kentucky can go and just, you know, take advantage. He's had a few games under his belt at A&M, so, you know, it won't be as fresh as when you go play Florida in Dan Mullen's second game. But it's still year one for Jimbo Fisher there, uh, and I think Kentucky will go down there and surprise the Aggies. Uh, this this is the game I'm going to try to coordinate to go down for. Uh, myself and Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country, who we went out to the uh, uh, to Boise. I'm sorry, Boise, soft S. Uh, we've been kicking <laughs> around this idea. Uh, James Strebel, who we've had on the ESPN 680 here in Louisville. Uh, we're talking about getting uh, and going down uh, for this game just because it is Kentucky's first time in College Station. You know, a uh, little bit of connection with Bear Bryant and, and, and that kind of thing. So well, I'm thinking about going down there. And, and if I'm going to do that, Kentucky better win. <laughs> if I'm going to go oh. to College Station, Texas, <laughs> they better <laughs> uh, 
but I, I think I think they will. I feel, uh, you know, I, I I know A&M, you know, on paper it's better, it's on the road, but I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm probably looking through rose-colored glasses, but I don't see any reason why, why Kentucky couldn't win. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. It's daunting, and it, looking at it, it probably shouldn't happen, but I think, like, look, Coach Stoops got to take advantage of new coaches at new addresses, and this is the time for him to do so. And the whole Florida, Florida State people, historically, you know, Kentucky and Florida, you think, oh, my gosh, and we've seen the blowout. He was at Florida State, and he's – he knows what Florida's about, so he hasn't really been intimidated by them. He's went toe-to-toe with them, should have beaten them. We, we know about some of the breakdown. But the same thing with, with Jimbo Fisher. He knows what this dude is all about as well. So um, from a fan standpoint, historical UK football fan standpoint, it is daunting. But um, I think this is another one where he will match up well with them. You know, the Mississippi State thing is an Achilles heel. Uh, but this is another one I think where he can he can match up and find a way to X and O and go toe to toe like he has uh, with with the Gators. Yeah, I, I, so I think that they get the yeah. Was it is that six and one? Is uh, that five, five and one heading into a bye? Okay. Yeah, uh, and uh, definitely, of course, be looking forward to all the uh, the accounts from the road trip, if that does come to fruition for you guys, because y'all have a lot of fun. Uh, so they'll come to the bye week 5-1, and one, one game away from bowl eligibility, and you get Vanderbilt um, at home for homecoming. Uh, I think they will continue to move to 6-1. and one. You know, Vanderbilt's fighting for respect like Kentucky is, but I think Kentucky continues to stay ahead of them. Um, and, you know, you bounce back off the bye week, come out and take care of business against the Commodores to get to 6-1. and one. Right. And, and I, I agree with you there. Uh, you know, the, the Vanderbilt game has never been uh, an easy game. I mean, I think we've had some, some games, I think, that, uh, you know, the, the margin has been better than the others. But I just still go back to when we were in school and Vanderbilt, you know, we were their only win in football for like two or three years. So you never want to look past Vanderbilt, but I think you build off that momentum to six and one. And uh, I, I think, and this gets overlooked when we talk about, you know, how we look at last year's team, you know, they were bowl eligible, you know, before Thanksgiving, well, well before Thanksgiving, before right at Halloween. And I think, that's a step in the right direction. And I think that with the Vanderbilt game right here on the 20th uh, of October, go ahead, get the bowl eligibility out. And then you're not quite playing with house money, but you're not quite tight uh, as you, as you, as you may be. So I think they get the six and one with a win at home over Vanderbilt. Absolutely. Uh, Next October 27th at Missouri, and just as much, you know, as Texas A&M game was is daunting and maybe you don't see how they can win it or maybe there's no way no way they can go down there in Cal Field and win. 
the opposite way, I think, is is that Missouri. They're getting a lot of hype as well, Drew Locke and all that offense. They scored a ton of points in their non-conference last year against inferior teams, came into conference play and kind of hit some rough sledding. Beat, you know, Kentucky won, but, you know, it was another one of those games where Missouri is throwing <laughs> late into the end zone with a chance to win the game. Kentucky won that game 40-34. to And then after that, Missouri's offense took off. You know, they, they lost to Georgia, but they put a ton of points up against Georgia. They end up finishing the year strong and, and having a nice year. I, you know, Kentucky's got a, a multiple-game winning streak going against them, and this is a game that I would look at, you know, Kentucky should win. What is this, is, this is a game. There's no reason they shouldn't win. Sure, it's at Missouri. Sure, it's on the road. Um, new offensive coordinator Derek Dooley um, is coming in, and, you know, we, we've seen his act as a head coach. You know, offensively, they had good offense, but at Tennessee, he, had, he was a disaster. But I think this is one where they will stub their toe. It's one where that maybe you probably should win, but you don't. It's just one of those things where it happens. Uh, you kind of stole one from A and M that maybe you shouldn't. Here you go to Missouri and you drop one that maybe you should have won, and I think they fall to six and two. You know, we must be on the on the same page because. Uh, I think when you look at South Carolina and Missouri, we've had their number for the last couple of years, winning streaks against both teams. I think it's it's hard to keep that momentum. Uh, and with South Carolina being at home, I think that gives us the edge. But with Missouri being on the road, uh, that's a that's a more daunting task, I believe. So yeah, I got them going six and two. Yeah, we're going to disagree about something here pretty soon. <laughs> it's our our nature. Um, the following week, you know, the defending SEC East champs and nearly national champs, Georgia, um, come to Lexington, and I think we we see six and three. We have a two game losing streak. Oh yeah, yeah. Georgia is otherworldly. They are now you know going to be Alabama spoil. Uh, I'd like to see a little bit closer than last year. Uh, although, you know, mm-hmm. I think there were some positive things that we did in that game. But definitely I would like to see us a little bit uh, closer to uh, closer to Georgia. But, yeah, 6-3. and three. Yeah, 6-3. Yeah, and three. Um, Step out of conference for the last – no, no, I'm skipping one. Um, at Tennessee – November 10th, um, to me, this this is just kind of the recurring theme of the season. You know, Coach Stoops has established your plan, a lot of first-year coaches, either veteran coaches in new places, Fisher, Mullen, or you're playing straight-up rookie head coaches, Joe Moorhead, Mississippi State, same thing, Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee. Uh, now, you know, just like Kirby Smart, he was defensive coordinator at Alabama. We saw Smart, what Smart did at Georgia. Uh, Tennessee's got talent too, but I think, you know, this is where you take advantage of a first-year coach. 
getting his stuff together, getting the feel of what it's like to be the head coach. It's easy to be the coordinator and, and dial up defense. Well, no, it's not easy. But you're used to that. You know, Nick Saban yelling at you and berating you when stuff doesn't go right. You know what that's all about. Now it's all on you. Uh, coach Stoops stepped into the SEC as a first-year head coach. Of course, the cover was empty, but he had to go through it. Jimmy Pruitt's going to have to go through what it's like to be a first-time coach in the SEC. They can tell he can go down and get their first win in Knoxville since 1984. That's what started the streak to 2011 when you know, Joker Phillips and all those guys won in Knoxville. That was the last win Kentucky had, period, against Tennessee for years. Now I think they finally end the losing streak in Knoxville. Well, I, I know that you'll be a happy camper if that's the case. And, and I'll be looking at the Knoxville news for you running them up and down the streets of Knoxville if the cats go down there and, and handle and handle Tennessee. Uh, you know, I, I I want to say that that you know they they won't, but I, I think the cats can win. And if I think they've got a chance, I'm going to go ahead and put my name on it, and I say they go down there, and I say they win. I say they go down to Neyland and, and, and leave with a W. And I don't know what that's going to do to the Vol fans with a two-game losing streak to Kentucky. I, that may be uh, – that may you know, the sky may literally be falling. Uh, I can't think of anything else that will get a – you know, get a get Pruitt on that, that hot seat if he, you know, back-to-back <laughs> losses to Kentucky, that's a – that's almost a fireable offense, but I think they I think they do it. <laughs> I think so too. And I mean, years ago, before you know, you and I ever started doing the show, I remember looking through, you know, the one of the football yearbooks, and even I mean, Bear Bryant took lumps against Tennessee. You know, I don't know what his overall record was, but. <laughs> Uh, I think he beat him his last year at Kentucky for sure, but uh, he took his lumps against UT as well. Um, it's just historically, uh, I mean, Kentucky football historically, I mean, they struggled with a lot of teams, but uh, the greatest coach in the program's history even had some, some bumps and bruises against Tennessee. So um, I think they beat Tennessee to move to 7-3, and three, get to – the last home game of the season, and another Tennessee team comes calling, the Blue Raiders of NTSU. I uh, think you stay perfect in the non-conference, and you get to eight and three with a win against Middle Tennessee. Yeah, I think Middle Tennessee got it. Got to handle business against the the Blue Raiders. I, I feel pretty good. Uh, uh, I feel pretty good about that. And, look, this game is right up there. You know, final game of the season at Louisville. Rivalry game is right up there with Tennessee for me. Uh, Especially the bad taste of last year where it was just, you know, uh, a tail kicking. Uh, Then, of course, the melee and all that in the sidelines and stuff like that. But it was – a route just like the Georgia game, you know, where they were 
I think seven and three last year, and then just uh, thoroughly got gassed and, and and whipped those last two games. Stephen Johnson, of course, was extremely hurt and playing on guts. Uh, the Louisville won in a route. I hate to say it, but I, I I think it's another one where maybe you should win and you don't. And I just maybe it's, I just can't see Kentucky going nine and three either. I think you end up dropping the last game to the Cardinals, but you finish eight and four for the first time in our lifetime, or for you know in the regular season, or maybe 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 that 1984 team that went to the Hall of Fame Bowl or something like that might have won eight games. This would be the first time they win eight in the regular season that we can remember. You know, winning seven in the bowl game is cool to get to eight and five, but to actually have eight legit regular season wins and then go to a bowl game and play for nine, we don't know what that's like. I think they fall to Louisville, but eight and four is still historic and it's progress. You know, you went seven and five the past two years. Coach Deuce is kind of incrementally getting better. Should have won nine games last year. I think they get eight wins this year. I'm going on a limb. I know nine and three seems ridiculous. It does seem ridiculous to me, but <laughs> I'm predicting a win over U of L simply because uh, you know I know you're in the belly of the beast, um, so you understand being uh, surrounded by uh, by hateful fans. <laughs> uh, you know, and honestly, I I just don't believe that the talent gap. Is as wide between the uh, football programs as it's been announced, and I, for some reason, a lot of U of L fans are salty because people are saying, you know, they might take a step back with uh, Lamar Jackson leaving. And, and look, this isn't to say their program is bad, but h- how often do you see a team? lose a player as dynamic as Lamar Jackson, the Heisman Trophy winner, and not take a step back unless you're what, Alabama. It's going to happen. And I don't think it's a slight. It's just you you look at that. You know, A&M took a dip after Johnny Manziel. And it's just, you know, Oklahoma, you know, we talked last a couple weeks ago about, you know, Kansas State, the Big 12. Uh, Oklahoma's going to have some questions to answer. With Baker Mayfield gone, it's just the nature of the beast. You know, Florida with Tim Tebow. You could go on and on. Uh, the unfortunate thing is, I think by the end of the season, I think uh, Bobby Petrino will have them rolling a little bit. On the road is going to be a really tough environment. But I still am going to pick caps over cards. So you got nine and three playing for two wins at the bowl it sounds, it sounds crazy. Yeah, I know. I know. So you got um four and zero in non-conference, and then that'd be five and three in SEC play. So I got them five and three in SEC play, three and one in the non-conference with the loss to Louisville. Um, and the quarterback situation is. You gotta be concerned just because they're both so green. Uh, 
But I think, look, it's true. Whoever wins it, just go in there and be <laughs> a game manager. That term is taken as derogatory. Be a Trent Dilfer, be a Brad Johnson. Get the ball, get it to Benny Snell, get it to Lynn Bowden, get it to C.J. Conrad, get it to Dorian Baker. I think, you know, if you kind of keep things simple, which I'm sure Eddie Graham will, you know, you got a good offensive line. Uh, you mentioned Benny Snell poised to break all kinds of records. Already has a ton of records that he owns. The touchdown record is his already. And, look, he didn't play the first two games as a freshman. Just let that sink in, TB. If he just gets 50 and 56 yards in those two games, that's 106 more on what he's already done, which is insane. You know, he's done what he's done and didn't play in one-sixth of his freshman season. So, yeah. You know, that's a good security blanket. If I'm a Gunner Hope, if I'm a Terry Wilson, um, I mentioned Ben Roberts' article about the freshman tight ends that are coming in. C.J. Conrad is the smallest tight end, and he's 6'5", 250, 255. So you got some of these freshmen that Coach Merrill says are ready to play and will probably play, and – are going to be good at at least being blocking tight ends already. Uh, So that's, you know, a couple more guys up there to make some holes for Snell. Uh, Oh, just blend bone some little quick stuff out in space. We know how electric he is. It is concerning. Look, if you had Steven Jones for another year, because you know he's a winner, you know what he can do, you'd be like, oh, man, we'd be feeling really good. But I still think if, you know, these guys can kind of get worked in slowly and not get overwhelmed, and Gunnar Hope knows the playbook in and out. He just hasn't been on the field facing live action. So, it's, you know, still got to acclimate. But I think they can just be efficient and get rid of the ball, don't try to do too much, and I think they'll still be all right. Yeah, I, I I agree with you, and and I'm being overly optimistic. I know it sounds crazy for Kentucky to get to, to nine and three. I, I I'm well aware of what it looks like, and and, and you know picking a couple of tough road wins uh, at Louisville, uh, at A and M. I I understand that that's you know going against conventional wisdom, uh, but I feel good. Uh, I feel good because you're at eight and three. SEC Network is saying or eight and four, and SEC Network is saying eight and four. So uh, I don't, I don't think I'm going out on too big of a limb. Although, admittedly, it's going to look weird. <laughs> it's going to look weird if uh, absolutely, you know, if, if if Kentucky is is at eight wins heading into Louisville, it's going to look weird. Absolutely. And former UK quarterback Shane Boyd is a lot to come on here in a couple of minutes. So, you know, that TV, we can pick his brain on all of this because he knows way more about it than both of us uh, get his thoughts on it. And we've been messaging back and forth for, you know, quite a while about getting him to come on the show. He, he just had, he's been doing so many cool things. So we'll get him to talk about some of that as well. 
But um, definitely looking forward to his insights, and he is on the line right now. TV, you and I, we're talking Kentucky football. But now we get expert analysis, expert opinion from a man who played for the university, played for the position, played of quarterback, which is a hot topic in the state right now. We're talking with former U.K. quarterback, Shane Boyd. Shane, welcome to Cash Talk Wednesday. Appreciate you coming on. How are you? Man, what's up, man? I appreciate y'all having me on. It's it's really an honor to come over and talk with you guys. Man, we we can't. I can't thank you enough. Uh, You know, been messaging back and forth here and there, and like I said, I didn't want to just bug you to death and get on your nerves because you had quite a bit of stuff going on, man. Just since a few, a little bit of time we've been messaging. A new father. You've been halfway around the world. Tell us what's been going on with one chain boy. It's been a lot, man. One thing I can say is just I've been blessed. Uh, I just thank the Lord for the opportunities that He's presented me with, especially it's the amazing one of being a father. I mean, it's just been has been so joyous to become a father for those who who have children. Know exactly what I'm feeling or what I'm going through, but but. Just to see this one grow and this one grow up, how he's growing, uh, it's amazing. Uh, and he's growing very fast. I mean, that's an attest to, I would say, my stature and uh, Misty, his mother, her stature. You know, she's six two, six three, and a ten year WNBA veteran. So he got some genes. So let's say that. So the boy is very big. He's he's thirteen months right now, and he's wearing three T clothing and seven. These shoes, which if you know anything about kids' clothes, which I, I've learned it myself, that's a little bit ahead of the curve. It's way ahead of the curve, you know. So, but it, it's been awesome um, being a father. Um, you know, we we've been around the world, you know, with her. You know, she plays in the WNBA and plays overseas. So we had an opportunity uh, to go over to Australia. So when he was only two months old, he took his first flight, not down the street but to another country on the other side of the world. So that was an amazing experience of being down under. Um, the things that we, would be able, we were able, able to see and experience, you know, with the pictures and stuff we were able to take, uh, you know, he'll look back later on in life when he's, you know, able to uh, uh, realize what's going on. And, you know, I hope he can kind of smile upon it and know that he's been there, even though he probably won't remember that he was there. But we'll have those memories. Um of that, I mean, he's been to Bali. He's been from California all the way to the East Coast. Uh, we're at literally about to fly out of town tomorrow and go down to uh, Tampa to see my father's side of the family. They they haven't seen him in person yet, so he can check off Florida on his list. But uh, this kid has has been all over. He's only 13 months, and he's done more than uh, uh, you know successful grown people. So he's He's had an interesting life, but it's just been an amazing experience of being his father and and just continue to grow up, and then the best is yet to come. And how much did he weigh when he was born? I remember seeing that tweet. Um, And so he's kind of been on the fast track ever since. Yeah, I think he he was about, he was nine pounds, a uh, good 10, 11 ounces or so, and 20 going on 22 inches long. So he he came out the womb a toddler. You know, that's what I tell everybody. He came out. 
a society thing as well. But they're, they're amazing. I have one more question, WNBA question, and then shift it to football. And I'll preface it by saying, outside of your wife, besides your wife, who is the 1A as far as who is the most impressive player to watch? You mentioned the Brittany Griner, Candace Parker, Deladon Tarasi, you know, Sylvia Fowles. Up close and impersonal, who uh, for you is the most impressive player to watch and see play the game uh, from the court side view? Um, I, I would have to say Diana Taurasi, uh, um, old lady. She played for the Phoenix Mercury, so you know I developed a relationship with Taurasi as well. But she is considered the goat. She's considered the yeah. Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan of the WNBA. She has every scoring record, point record, any record that deals with points. She has. She has championships. She has notoriety, and just the way that. She's able to take control of a game by her shot is is something amazing to watch in person. You, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, she's working on 20 points already for the night. It's like, okay, she's not going to hit another shot. Okay, she's not going to hit another shot. Okay, and she keeps hitting them. Game winners from any point. <laughs> as soon as she crosses half court, she has that Steph Curry-ish about her. As soon as she steps across that court, she can pull up anywhere and she's never scared she's never afraid she ain't never saw a shot that she didn't like so Tarasi would have to probably be one of the 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 most amazing players I've seen in person and then uh, on the same lines with her would be Maya Moore she she has that about her Mm -hmm. um Candace Parker and Della Don for their size I mean six 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 seven Della Don six eleven has handles like a guard can play low can mid-range, long distance. I mean, it's it's just it's it's ridiculous the skill set that that uh, Della Don has. It's just almost unfair, you know, to be that big, that tall, and be able to play positions one through five. Absolutely. Now we are a couple of weeks away from the season opener for the Cats. Camp is in session, and and all of that. Um, this time of year, what what memories did that bring back from your time in Lexington, getting ready to get ready to prepare for a season? Uh, the, the, the memories are endless. I mean, you just look at when you dream of playing Division One sports, whatever sport it may be, um, being in an amazing city like Lexington, being at a, a great college like Kentucky with the fan base and the standard that it sets. It's it's it, it's a different type of high that you know unless you've really been on the field, be able or in the field of play to be able to experience it. It's it's kind of hard to explain, but it's something uh, uh, just it's an out of body experience when you run out of that tunnel and that smoke is 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 and, and the fireworks are going off and you got all our screaming fans hollering out big blue and that type of thing. It's 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 so amazing. At the same time, it's a lot of pressure. Um, you, you get those jitters, you know, waiting for that first play, you know, that you can get you a, a good hit and, and get those jitters out. Um, there's a lot of expectation um, that's continuing to rise with this um, program, you know, not just making it to a bowl, but, you know, bettering the bowl to one day be able to compete 
um, again for uh, SEC championship and, and playing the, in the college playoff. Um, you know, it, it's 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 a lot. It, it can be overwhelming for some, um, but it's it's such an amazing experience that still plays in my mind. You know, and even outside of football, uh, the experience that you know you're going into the preparation, the blood, sweat, and tears that you get to prepare, you know, with your uh, teammates, that that also lets you know that these guys are going to be um, friends, you know, latter, in the latter part of life. You know, you build that brotherhood with certain guys that, you know, I still have great relationships with the people that um, I play with that at Kentucky. So that that's also, you know, uh, outside of football, uh, an amazing feeling, knowing that you're about to go into war with some guys that will – maybe someday be the best man in your wedding or the god dad to your to your children or business partner. Oh, your former UK quarterback Shane Boyd went on to have a long pro career with the Baltimore Brigade up to last year. Um have you gotten a look at the two young guys contending for the starting spot for the Cats this year, Gunnar Hulk uh, been there for a while in the system, and then you got the JUCO transfer Terry Wilson coming in. What are your thoughts on those two? Uh, some some so some great guys who I think both can get it done. Um, I, I would like to see Hope um, make 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 another jump. You know, with, with being there, um, knowing the system, and a guy who has put in work. There's something with me that you know somebody who's put in work and put in the time. Um, would like to see them get an opportunity and, and, and play well in that opportunity. Um, not saying that that's my favorite or not, but that would be, I would think that that, that would be a good situation. But, you know, the, the, the Juco guy, Wilson, coming in, I mean, he, he has a whole lot of talent um, and, and a lot of upside as well. And I know the pressures of playing at Kentucky, pressures of playing in the SEC period in all sports, you want to win and win now. So whoever gives us the best chance, I think, to win this year is the guy that I think would ultimately win the spot. But both of them have a good upside. And my hope is that, you know, whoever they pick that they stick with. One thing that I think that has um, been an Achilles heel of us as of lately is that, you know, we, we've had so many different quarterbacks play. And I'm just a firm believer in that you need to get a guy and stick with a guy and, and and invest in him so that the rest of the team can invest in him as well. The program can invest in him, and he he doesn't have to look over his shoulder every play, every game, every season to see if there's going to be, quote-unquote, a quarterback competition. So um, I hope whoever that they do choose that that they stick with and don't go keep going back and forth because it's I haven't really saw a program that succeeded with quarterback controversy. I mean, you look what's going on in Alabama um, in, in the two young guns they, they got down there. You know, it's, it's, that that's an unsettling feeling, especially as the player. But even as the rest of the locker room, you sometimes can get a divided locker room. And, and if we're divided on who we think or who maybe we're better friends with or or who, you know, we, we don't know is going to be the, the signal caller, be our leader, that kind of that stymies us as, as as a program. So hope that they can get that settled out uh, uh, very soon. Um, but, you know, I, I, I like both these guys. 
Um, and I know a guy, I don't know if he's getting reps, but I still even like uh, uh, Walker Wood from in Lafayette. I think I heard that, you know, they mm-hmm. said that they was going to give him a shot. I don't know how that's panting out, but, you know, I like him, his leadership, his athleticism, his playmaking ability as well. So I know that they may not be talking about him much or even if he's getting any reps at quarterback, I'm, I'm not for sure. But I, I did like him um, coming out of Lafayette as well. So, um I think it's still good to have a good competition like this, but um, I mean it's going to be better when they decide a guy and then we we go ahead and and and, and invest in him and see what goes forward. And with, and with a name like Gunner, I mean I, I love the name Gunner. You know, you, 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 <laughs> that that spells success to me. So I would like to see a guy named Gunner slinging the football uh, on Saturdays for Kentucky. But this Wilson kid who has amazing talent. Um, you know, I don't, he hasn't played on this big stage before. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot of questions to be answered with both these quarterbacks uh, when, when they get put in the fire. Because even with all the talent, it's something different when those lights come on and everybody doesn't perform the same way when the spotlight is on you and now and the whole nation is, is, is looking at you and every decision that you make. Absolutely. Now, put yourself – in in any of those guys' situations, I mean, you played the position, um, Walker Wood, Danny Clark, Terry Wilson, Gunnar Hope. Stepping out against Central Michigan for the first game, like you mentioned, and you've never played in a college game for an SEC team or against this level of competition, does the fact that you have a Benny Snell behind you, uh, C.J. Conrad at tight end, Lynn Bolton, and the Dorian Baker, guys around you, a good supporting cast, does that take a little pressure off of you, even though you know you still got to go out and play and, and get up to speed on what the game is going to be like once it starts? Do you go out on the field with that in the back of your mind? Or what's what's the mindset going out on the field when you got good talent around you, but you're still green as far as experience? A lot of pressures relieved when you got a, a workhorse like Benny. You got a what we call all quarterbacks call a safety blanket in your tight end like Conrad, who is a first round talent. You got Bowden and these guys Baker out there going up, being able to be playmakers down the field. That relieves a lot of pressure. The only thing I would hope to add to that is that if we got an offensive line, that that can block their butt off as well. As a young quarterback and young meaning not many reps as as the number one guy in in, in the SEC play, um, you want that, and, and that's a, an attest to the coaching staff putting some good guys around these guys because that that means that you don't have to stress, you don't have to feel like you have to make every throw, you don't feel like you have to make every play and scramble and make every right decision because you got some guys that you can lean on, you got a guy that you can hand the ball off. 15, 20 times, and he's shown where he can carry a game. You got a guy in Conrad who you know can beat any linebacker or safety they put on him, even some corners, knowing that I can look downfield to my playmakers, Bowden and Bacon and guys like that, but knowing that I can check down to my tight end, that relieves so much pressure for a quarterback. Now it's just going to be on that quarterback, not to put that pressure on himself, not to feel like he has to win the game himself knowing that he can just disperse that ball and turn around and hand the ball off and let himself get into a groove, and then you can work to now you start to make your plays. So whoever the quarterback is, 
you know, I hope that the quarterback coach, you know, they walk, you know, continue to walk him into it so he can take a couple little bumps and bruises, get his feet up on them, and then he'll start to realize, or if he hasn't already, he'll realize in game situations that he has other guys that can carry the load. And really, as, as a quarterback, honestly, you're not really looked upon to be the playmaker. You're just looked upon to make good decisions and get it in the hands of playmakers. People always you know, talk about the you know the quarterback position. It's really not in depth as people think it may be. It is, but it's about just getting the ball out of your hands. Let those other guys make the spectacular plays, spinning off tackles, jumping over people, jumping up in the air and, and catching the ball and, and doing all that type of stuff. Let them do that. You look at your Tom Brady's and your Peyton Manning's, you ain't never really seen Peyton Manning these guys scramble, spin out of tackles on a regular basis. No, they, they take the snap and they get it out of their hands to the playmakers and let them do the spectacular stuff. So as, as quickly as they can get into that flow and know that they got guys around them that can make them plays, make plays for them, that will directly um, attest to their success that they'll have as a starting quarterback at Kentucky. Hey, TB, I have got a little long-winded, man, so jump in if you got a question or anything for Shane. I didn't mean to just yak, yak, yak on you. No, y'all doing good stuff. I'm, I'm soaking it all in. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, man, Shane, we can't thank you enough for, for taking time out of your evening and your busy life uh, with your young son who was growing like crazy. And, look, it flies by. Terry and I both had two kids, and we started the show talking about school starting. He's got a seventh grader and a fourth grader. I got a fourth grader and a kindergartner. And you and, and Misty will be there before you know it. So enjoy these years before he's trotting off to school with a little backpack on that's just as big as he is. Oh, man, thank you. I appreciate that. I've had a couple of emotions today as well, seeing everybody go off to school and knowing that one day I, I'm going to be that dad dropping my son off at his first day of school. And, you know, I mean, it's it's something I know is amazing. I'm sure y'all can attest to, but, you know, I, I'm doing the best that I can. You know, everybody tells me to enjoy these young years and, you know, you don't you don't want to just you know I'm I'm looking forward to him you know talking and 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 having you know being able to decision make so I can teach him some stuff but I know that I will miss these days of when he's just cuddling and not talking until he's he's talking too much and you walking and he's running around so I'm 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 doing my best to enjoy uh, uh, these these years. Um, I'm trying to keep it as slow as possible, you know, and especially with mine and her life, you know, being professional athletes, you know, sometimes you can let that time get away from you. But we're, we're, I, I feel we're doing a, a great job with, you know, enjoying every moment. Um, obviously, she gets a little bit more emotional when pictures and stuff pops up on her phone, memory pictures pop up. And, and now, oh, we, we, we threw away all the bottles yesterday, so she had a little moment with that and that, you know, he's not able to drink out of bottles no more. So it's there's a lot going on, but it's awesome. I love every every minute, every second of it. Yeah, the the picture in your Twitter bio of you and little man on the field right there. That's that's classic. And like you said, it's, it is little bitty steps like that, little bitty phases that they go through. You know, he's already walking. You just mentioned that you've thrown bottles away, so now it's looking sippy cups and drinking out of a straw. 
And that doesn't seem like a lot, but when it's you and your kid, it does. Everybody, every parent uh, that's worth their salt knows all those little moments mean something. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, man, we have enjoyed it. Appreciate you, you know, letting us know what's been going on with yourself and Misty and, and the traveling and be safe going uh, to see your family tomorrow. Appreciate your knowledge on the Cats. As, you know, opening day is right around the corner. Got some quarterback insight from you. Honored to have you on. It was a privilege to talk with you. We've enjoyed every second of it. I appreciate you guys. It's been an honor. And give me give me a holler anytime you want me on. Well, we thank you. All right, Shane. Talk have to you a good evening, sir. You too. All right. Former UKQB, Shane Boyd. Man, how awesome was that? Coming yeah, in and dropping uh, knowledge. Y'all, y'all did a great job uh, talking football, talking WNBA. You know, I'm late to the women's sports thing myself, but I'm all in with my girls. And, 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 and some of those, those, those women he was saying, they're street ballers. And uh, hopefully we get yeah. to the point where we stop having that divide line. But Diana Taurasi is a baller, baller, right? She, I mean, just watching her uh, play, you know, we talk about how good the, the dream teams have been on the men's side. The women have, on the Olympic side, international competition, their gold medal streak is longer than the men. So uh, yeah. definitely glad to talk about that and, uh, you know, it sounds like he's a little bit optimistic on this season as well. So I, I don't feel as far off as we as we uh, as far off as, as we were on our picks. I don't I don't feel like we were too too far. Absolutely, and and they they could easily won nine last year. So I mean, it's it still sounds like wow when you say it, but it is it, it's becoming more and more tangible. Uh, with each passing season. Uh, so uh, if you guys missed it, definitely catch the podcast. TV and I did our game-by-game predictions. Uh, podcast will be up uh, shortly after the show, or you can just subscribe on iTunes, CastBox FM, Stitcher, Player FM, uh, or tune in. Uh, and the show will also replay tomorrow on 12 Ounce Sports, 12OunceSportsRadio.com. Uh, so you can check it out there to get our predictions. Uh, if you missed our conversation with Shane Boyd, uh, you can catch it all there, uh, too. We still got to dive into some, uh, some more Big Blue Bahamas. Uh, touch of MLB. Uh, I got I to talk about my Bravos because they're, they're balling, leading the division. And a certain NBA center who has played for both of our teams, I think he wants a little bit of discussion before we end this show as well, this is Cats Talk Wednesday. Vinny Hardy, Terry TB Brown, Terry Backflip Brown. Cats Talk Wednesday, Brown and Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. We'll be right back. Darling. 
And now, you know, everybody's talking about sophomore Nick Richards, you know, Drew Franklin, the KSR has talked about it. But the, the confidence he's playing with, played with these four games, uh, the biggest kind of separator of if you can be great is can you forget that mistake? And last year it was one mistake led to two mistakes, led to three mistakes from Nick. Whereas in the Bahamas, um, mishandling a pass or what have you know, get back on defense, make a play, then score another bucket. Uh, P.J. Washington looked a lot quicker uh, putting the ball on the deck. Both of those guys, Washington uh, and Richards, showed some uh, a nice jump shot from uh, you know 12 to 15 feet. That's huge. <laughs> That's huge. If we've got guys attacking the rim and you've got big men that they don't always have to pick and roll, they can pick and pop. Uh oh. Uh oh. If you're trying to defend that, good oh. good luck and good night. Um, so I know it's August. I know they weren't these these teams. You know, it's not like we were playing the uh, '84 Celtics or anything like that. I understand that, but from what we've seen so far, you have to feel encouraged. Uh, Quade Green coming back, uh, contributing. I, I think we saw a lot of good things on a lot of folks. Reed Travis looked unsure the first game, but uh, came back the next three and looked really really comfortable. Have to remember, yes, he's a veteran. Yes, you know he's been some had some battles in the Pac. Uh, I almost said Pac-10, but the Pac-12. Uh, but he has never played with this much talent, and I think the staff's asking him to do things that he hasn't had to do before. Can he do this? Yes, but it's going to take time. All that to say, we saw a lot of good things in August. The team really looks good together right now um, and to quote Liam Neeson to the rest of college basketball this season, good luck Like I don't think the Cats will go 38-1 again I, I'm not going to start 40-0 again but this is one of those teams like we saw in 2010 like we saw in 2012 like we saw in 2015 this is a team that, that is going to they are going to humble a lot of teams you know, we, I talked football. There, you want to have some games where there's, you know, some breathing room games. We're going to have those this year, right? We may not have the comeback like at, at West Virginia. We don't. I don't. It's in the, I don't think the team's going to be down by 20 points at any point in the season. Uh, they're talented. We've got some veteran pieces to steady the ship, and these guys want to beat your butt. That's the, that's the thing is we have a lot of guys, they, they, they want to kick your butt. And, and, and so I'm, I'm really looking forward to this season. I don't think you can, as a Kentucky fan, you can look at, the, uh, look at those games and not get excited. And I haven't talked about Tyler Hero, who uh, we were able to steal away from Wisconsin. What I love <laughs> about him is, is and, you know, uh, he's getting some, some hype, and I think that's a good thing but he doesn't get in a hurry. Whatever the defense gives him, he can take advantage of. The three, that mid-range game that you and I have talked about before that Malik Monk really excelled at, and he can get to the rim. So, and he makes good decisions with the ball. I love this team. Uh, I've talked about it before. There's a lot of roster flexibility. 
how are they going to play? Go big, go small. You know, Cal and Payne and Bobby, they can get as exotic as they want to, I think, and this team's going to come out uh, and handle business. And, and Keldon Johnson is going to baptize more than a few people this year. I mean, he attacks the rim mm. with a Russell Westbrook-type ferocity. You know, we've had some great dunkers. I don't know if we've had anybody quite do what he's trying to do to the rim, but, you know, I'm here for it. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, a lot of the deficiencies that we saw last year, you know, the composition of this roster, you shouldn't see as much of that. You know, shooting was a problem. Uh, passing was a problem. Not a lot of assist last year. Uh, physicality was a problem. Uh, so a lot of those things, like you said, it's early, but they look like they're going to be rectified. You know, you've got players that can, uh, you know, smooth over those weaknesses um, and when when it all comes together in October. Uh, you got physical guys who can bang if teams want to do that. Uh, they want to slow it down and, and grind it out. That you know we can dump it down to our big guys uh, and and wear you down and, and go to the foul line um, and play that type of game too and foul out you know the other team's front line. Look, free throw shooting looks to be better. Uh, that was a deficiency last year as well. So it's early, but you see the makings of a team that uh, is going to be trouble. Uh, going to be hard to deal with, going to be hard to defend. Balance is going to be a strong suit. You know, we talk about, you know, Cameron Mills in the 98 team. Uh, it was somebody different every night, you know, Shepard, Padgett. You know, so many different guys led that team in scoring throughout the season. This team could do that. Uh, Hero could easily lead the team in scoring one night. Hey, he led everybody in scoring every game. You know, in Bahamas, he led the team in scoring. Um you can see Keldon Johnson lead the team in scoring. Uh, you can see P.J. get warm. It, it, you never know who it could be. So a lot of good problems to have. And then, you know, you see it continue to progress from now until October and then, you know, November 6th when you tip it up for real uh, against Duke. And the thing about Hero if he can come off the bench, and I didn't realize that on the 2015 team that, that Devin Booker was the second leading scorer on that team. I, you know, I didn't really dive into the numbers. But if he can become that Vinny Johnson, that Manu Ginobili, you know, sixth or seventh man to come in with the second squad, and you've got an elite score on that second squad, that's problems. That's an issue. That, that now we're talking. Now you know, uh, I, I have to believe that our bench is going to be better than anybody else's bench. Uh, I think maybe one through three, Duke may have an advantage. You know, Zion Williamson. Everybody's seen that dunk he's had. But I think when you go one through nine or ten, I, I just if there's a better team in the country, I need to see it. If there's a better team in college basketball. Point me in that direction on one through ten, because right now I really like how this team uh, is constructed. Uh, they're they're looking good. I know it's just August, 
but you have to feel excited for what's looming once, uh, you know, Big Blue Madness rolls around and the season gets started uh, in October. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it was cool having Tina on last week live from the Bahamas, uh, and she said that was the coolest thing she had covered, and she's been to Vegas and done some road tripping herself. Uh, so glad that she had a, a fun stay. Uh, Stephanie Guy down there, all the uh, media members down there, she was <laughs> kicking it with Jerry Tipton. You know, Jerry even wrote about her in his article in the Herald Leader. Uh, I mentioned Cameron Mills Radio, so that was cool. Uh, so I'm glad everybody had a fun time. Uh, BBN was everywhere. Uh, the players, like and like you mentioned, you mentioned earlier, you, you're not able to just shake people's hands. You know, we won't be able to shake Tyler Hero's hand, you know, at Rupp Arena or Thompson Bowling at a Yum Center. Uh, but they were just walking in, sitting amongst the people down at the Atlantis had to go through the casino and various areas of the resort to even get to the gym. Uh, Quad A, of course, started that, you know, the, the midnight shooting after, you know, the whole team shot bad in game one. Uh, he kind of got his shot tightened up and got locked in. And, uh, you know, so they were just in and amongst the fans, uh, kind of like what you experienced at Midway, uh, except it was just down in the Atlantis, just to be that close to them. Uh, in the ballroom where, you know, the nosebleed seat is still, you can almost probably still spit on the court, <laughs> even from the nosebleed of the ballroom. So just to have that access to be that up and close and personal for the entire four days or week, however long you were down there, uh, was definitely a fun experience for everybody that got to do it. Yeah, I think that uh, it, it – the, the fans are fantastic, and uh, whether it's the Bahamas, uh, you know, I saw tons of fans in, in Boise. Uh, Kentucky fans are there, and, and that's what makes it uh, the BBN special. But this, this team is going to be really good. You know, this, this team is not going to have to scratch and claw against Missouri or, you know, it's not going to have a four-game losing streak. This team is just it's <laughs> too good. And like I said, yeah, it's one of these things where, okay, you know, Cal's going to recruit, and we're going to have some some good teams. But then every now and then things will fall in place where we'll have a really, really good to great team. And just like 2010, uh, 2012, 2015, looks like this 2019 squad had been a long time coming. I'm just saying, you know, the, 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 the drought of the Final Four, you know, a lot of people talked about that, you know, four years, ooh, but uh, this is going to be the team that's going to, uh, that's going to, I think, got a good shot of, of of getting us back to the elite of the elite. Absolutely. Um, we'll transition real quick. Anything that goes past eight will be up on the podcast, and we'll post all that where everybody will have uh, access to it. Um, Kevin talked a lot of MLB, but got to talk about. Uh, my Braves, as I mentioned, they are in first place. Uh, Philadelphia is still hot on their tail and got a lot of games with the Phillies to close out the season. So, you know, that's going to make or break the division. But, you know, every team gets hot shot prospects and hot shot minor leaguers that are coming, and you see them as can't miss stars 
you know, coming down the pike. You know, it was uh, Freddie Freeman a few years ago, uh, and you knew he was going to be a star. Uh, Jason Hayward was a little bit in that same time frame with him. Jason's still been solid. You know, he's with the Cubs now, won a ring, still in the league. Uh, the latest dude was Ronald Acuna Jr. That you know everybody in Atlanta, fans of the Braves, in and around the team, couldn't wait to see. And 20 years old, born 1997, uh, started been up with the big club all season. Had a knee hyperextension running the first base that caught him uh, and, and caused him to miss some games a few months ago. But uh, he is back and been playing for quite a while. And right now he's just on fire. You know, the ball looks like a beach ball coming up to him. He's homered in five consecutive games. Um, the youngest player to do it. Um, and in a couple of those home runs, it was, you know, he bats leadoff. A couple of those home runs, it was the first pitch of the game, consecutive days, bang. So if you're not got your TV on or if you're at SunTrust Park, if you're not at your seat, you know, it was already one nothing by the time you got your stuff together and, and found your seat. He's already in the dugout with a home run. The dude is on fire. Not sure what he's done tonight, but had to at least mention him and what he's done uh, over these past few days because it's unsane. Um, and they're trailing right now one and nothing against the Marlins. So he did not, well, unless the Braves have not come to bat yet. Um, so we'll see what he does. He, you know, opposite field, he's pulling the ball, it doesn't matter. You can't get him out right now, uh, and it's it's cool to see that um, the Braves have been in a little bit of a drought. You know, they spoiled us all with winning divisions year in and year out. But it's cool to see all these young guys around Freddie Freeman. Uh, pitching staff is strong as always. So I'm excited. Like I said, we'll see what happens with these head-to-head games against the Phillies. And they have lost to some teams that they shouldn't have, and they could have an even bigger lead now. But, you know, that's water under the bridge. But had to at least talk about how insane Ronald Acuna is last night. Um, and speaking of the Braves, too, you saw my tweet earlier. After the game, got to talk about the security guy uh, on Braves Live. You know, all the teams had their, especially the regional Fox Sports, you know, you got Reds Live, Cardinals Live, Braves Live. The uh, the post-game guys, Ron Javinovich and former Brave and Falcon Brian Jordan were, of course, recapping the game. And a fan posted up right behind him, had a sign, a little banner. He was waving it. <laughs> and the security guy ran after him to try to, you know, let him know he doesn't need to be there. And in doing so, the dude just face-planted right behind Jarinovich and Brian Jordan on the set. And, of course, they're rolling, and there's nothing for this dude to do but get up and drag himself back off camera, which is what he did. Um, I missed it live. I came back in the living room because I actually watched the whole game, had it on. I missed him fall. I saw him just getting up and walking off. I, did, I thought, well, maybe he had to adjust, you know, a cord or a mic or something. Uh, but then I saw a guy on Twitter and, and had the whole thing. And dude's pride was hurt because a lot of people were watching the game. It just went off. The Braves are good. Uh, so a lot of people were tuned in. 
and look, that's you know nothing to do but lick your wounds and and pick your pride up because that was that was epic. Um, it was hilarious, but dude is probably still getting it on the way to the ballpark today, getting ribbed by family and friends and whoever saw it, whoever he sees in and around Atlanta. Yeah, I saw that. That's one of those things you, you, you hate. It, you know, when we were growing up, we get to date ourselves, you know, that might have been something a few people saw maybe on ESPN maybe. Uh, but now you are, that guy has been memed forever. That's going to be his claim to fame. Absolutely. Got to close it out real quick, TV, with our guy switching to the NBA. Spent a little time with the Lakers, spent three seasons with my Rockets, Dwight Howard. You know, saying he wanted to play to 40, to me, no big deal. He's, you know, a great a physical specimen, uh, even when he's 285 and 12% body fat, which he currently is or was before he got down to about 260 and 3% body fat. He's 32, want to play to 40. A lot of big men don't do that. Uh, Candace Buckner had an article in the Washington Post about it, you know, Kareem, Robert Parrish, uh, Dirk is like 40, 41 right now. Uh, Kevin Willis played to 44. Uh, of course, he kept himself in great shape. You know, he stayed ripped even at 44 years of age. I can see even, you know, the back surgery a few years ago, I can still see Dirk reaching age 40, uh, you know, staying healthy and taking care of his body. The thing that turned everybody's head, and it's not the first time he said something to make everybody turn their heads, was the fact that he is going to pattern his game after Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant. When for years, and I wrote a piece about it on CameronMizRadio.com, he has worked with the legends of the game, and we haven't really seen aspects of those greats rub off in his game, offensively speaking. But now to say you're going to be AD and KD is just ridiculous. At this point in his career with Dwight, and he's going to the Hall of Fame. Let's not uh, dance around that subject. He's going in. But at this point, you are what you are. And I I, I fail to see how someone who hasn't had any post moves to speak of, a go-to move, is suddenly going to get the repertoire of a Kevin Durant. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's it's just not. Uh, And the thing is, he could have been better had he really accentuated his positives. On a a pick-and-roll or a pick-and-pop to the basket, uh, very few big men in NBA history have been able to get to the rim like he was, but he didn't like to do it. But he didn't like to run the pick and roll. I mean, that's the, that's what is frustrating if you're a Dwight Howard fan. I don't know anybody that's really a Dwight Howard fan. But, you know, in, yeah. uh, in, in Houston, uh, with your man Harden and, 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 and Dwight Howard on the pick and roll, it could have been way more effective than it was. Um, Dwight, is, he's going to the Hall of Fame, but he's going to have one of those still, you know, what could have been. You know, what could have been if he had worked a little bit on it. You know, at some point, 
you know, he was Superman and this, that, and the other. At some point, you kind of have to, and I hate to say grow up, but I'm going to say grow up, focus on your craft, and be the best you can be. You know, Shaq had to do it, you know. My dad always said, when he stops making these silly movies, that boy's going to be really good. And you know what? He did. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know after Kazam and whatnot, he got serious, and that's when the title came. So Dwight never – he never got over it. He never – you know, he, he's, he's goofy and, and corny and all that, but uh, he's one of those people that, like I said, he's going – to the Hall of Fame, but it's just going to be one of those, okay, honestly, what could have been? Because he could have been really, really good. Yeah. It was, um, you know, posted the article on Facebook in a few different places. And, you know, the Kentucky fans, of course, there, you know, there's no way he's going to be Anthony Davis. And one guy replied, you know, there's Hall of Fame, there's no way. But you're exactly right. I mean, he's um, a three-time defensive player of the year, an eight-time All-Star, uh, led the league in rebounding five times. So he's he's going to make it. And, you know, you're getting the brush back because of kind of the way he is and, you know, the, the silly things he says. His press conference at Washington, that whole, you know, I, I, I learned magic and then I went to La La Land and I flew with some rockets and got stung by, you know, uh, no, sorry, flew with some hawks, whatever it was, got stung by some hornets, and it all taught me how to be a wizard. That's basically denial. He's not really <laughs> accepting that a lot of the stuff that's happened to him is self-inflicted or because of the way he's approached it. Uh, you know, in the, that clip, look at Ernie Grunfeld and, and Scott Brooks and just how awkward <laughs> that whole scene was at your introductory press conference as you're being welcomed as the newest member of the Washington Wizards. So that's, that's kind of his career in a nutshell. He also said something about, well, no matter what, I always know I'm a champion after, like, getting bounced in the first round or, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, I posted video of him and Patrick Ewing working out. There was no video of him and Kareem because Kareem said he didn't want to work. <laughs> then there was extensive video of him and Elijah Wan, and at the same time, you working out with Dream, Kevin McHale is your coach. I've said it till I'm blue in the face on this show. You know, that should have been big man heaven. Two of the biggest, greatest big men ever. You know, after you already spent time with Kareem, the leading scorer in the NBA, Patrick Ewing, top 50 player. Only reason he doesn't have a ring is because of Jordan and Elijah Wan, or he would have a championship to his resume. Kevin McHale, the greatest up and under in the history of mankind. He's the head coach while you're doing side sessions with Elijah Wan, and there's nothing tangible to show for it. You didn't learn anything from these guys. You didn't take anything away from them taking time to show you the tricks of the trade. Um, you know, I don't, you know, there's social media wasn't there at the end, but Brooke Chamberlain probably didn't say, you know, I want to be like Kareem. You know, Kareem wasn't wanting to be like Bill Walton and, and you know, Patrick Ewing. <laughs> but you got Dwight wanting to be like KD and AD. And he's wanting to, now he wants to evolve after not doing anything but stay primitive for all these years when it comes to his offensive game. So, 
look, you and I definitely we've agreed on a lot. <laughs> we agreed on most of Kentucky's win losses this season. Uh, we agreed on everything Dwight is talking and probably not going to be able to do. You know, cashing writing checks that he can't cash up there in D.C. Poor John Wall. Have fun with that this year. Um, we have agreed on a lot. Um, hats off to your 49ers. Go ahead and let's, I'll just go ahead and bite the bullet. They they came back and won the preseason opener over my Cowboys. Um, after Dallas had a 7-0 lead, a 14-0 lead, woke up the next morning and saw where the Niners had come back uh, and got the W and got a nice tweet from you making sure I knew that as well. I just didn't know if you had seen that, uh, that the 49ers had won. I wanted to make sure you were aware of what was going on uh, with your team. So that, that's all that was. Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate how how vivid it was, how crisp the picture was, how prominent the score was that I, I – you know, and making me aware of that. So that was that was cool. <laughs> so and once college football, once college football season starts, you know that'll be right around the corner for NFL as well. And uh, gonna probably get to be in Charlotte for Week One. The Cowboys will be playing the Panthers over there, so uh, get to see what improvements they made since taking that loss to the Forty ers when they go up in there and play Cam and them. In Charlotte, so that's just going to be fun, and we'll probably get to see some friends of the show over there. So we're looking forward to that also. Well, that that sounds good, man. Appreciate everything. We had a ton of fun. Uh, it was cool. Always cool hearing the stuff you get to cover, the fan days, the football fan day, the soccer fan days. That was insightful. Um, volleyball season is, you know, fixing to get going, and Coach Skinner has a legit squad uh, that's going to be trouble for a lot of opponents. Big Blue Bahamas, Kentucky football win-loss records. Thanks to Shane Boyd for coming on. Pay tribute to the Queen of Soul. Got a lot in on this show and enjoyed every single second of it. Absolutely. Thank you for holding things down. Thanks, Shane, for coming on. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Absolutely. Thanks again to uh, Joseph and Stanford Insurance Agency for sponsoring the show. And we'll be right back here again next Wednesday. Y'all check out the podcast that will be up right after the show as well. For Terry TV Brown, this is Vinnie Hardy. We'll be here next week. Brown Hardy Radio Network, blogtopradio.com. Take care. Thanks again. See y'all next Wednesday.